Globe podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. So we are in the middle of that trilogy. We are walking through a spiritual journey. Uh, Before I get there, I want to talk just a little bit, very quickly for you, about this lighted stop thing. We're in the Halloween season, and right now we have 41. I'm looking for 50. Holmes, listen to this. Now, you may be going, we're we're doing one we just didn't sign up. You know, so we've got the, these are all the stops that we've got going on all over the valley. So there are homes that have just simply said this, we're going to purposely be hospitable on Halloween night. Now, some people are like, we're not doing the whole bounce unit thing, the whole popcorn thing. That's okay. We, we have purpose. This is the whole point of this light night is that in our minds and in our hearts, we're not just, okay, here's your candy. Get out of here. Leave me alone. <laughs> okay. Open the door. There's your candy. Go away. You know? No, we're, we're going to be ready to be hospitable. And so light night is happening. I'm, our goal this year was 50 homes. Right now there's a training, there's an information meeting going on in the, in the, resource, or in the hospitality room, but we're looking for 50 homes. Right now I have 41. I just need nine more people to go, well, I was doing it, I just didn't sign up. Okay, let us know that you're doing it because I want to see these homes go all across the valley where we're saying it's not just another night. It's not just a night where people are coming to our trick or treat. No, no, we are, we are looking to engage. Not witness to people, not sharing the gospel, none of that. If that happens, wow, great. But it's just like, hey, be safe out there tonight. Hi, welcome. Hi, hi. Hellos, meeting them, not them meeting you. So we're looking for those. That's going on. It's coming up. It's in your bulletin. More information is there, which leads me to what's on your seat. Grab that, would you please? This is called a Who's My Neighbor card. Who are the people in your neighborhood? Okay, listen. I want everybody to walk away with one of these today. There are more of these in the back. Ushers have these. Here's what this is. Years ago, uh, I, I just kind of woke up one day and said, I don't know any of my neighbors, right? So, because so, we, we all live in the bat cave, right? Right? And we, we just, we, hide, we pull into the house and make sure, oh, whew, neighbor almost had to talk to him. Come on. And one day I realized, you know what, I, I really don't know my neighbors. And so I, I drew up one of these in my journal. I drew it up and I said, I'm choosing. I, I, this is not what Jesus has asked of me, to hide out in my house. That, that's not what it was for. And so I drew something in my journal that looked like this, and I said, I'm choosing to know. Watch this. The two neighbors across the street and the neighbors on either side. That's all, I, I wasn't going to take the neighborhood on by storm, right? Let me just get to know four people. And so I made a point to find out what are their names, who are their spouses, do they have kids, what are their kids into, oh, they're into soccer, they're into baseball, oh, he did this for a living, oh, she did that for a living, just, just, and you know what I began to do? I kept it in my journal because I kept it as a point of prayer. The reason I'm putting these out is because this is the heart, listen to me now, this is the heart behind Light Night, but more importantly, it is the heart behind the question that all of us are asking. It was asked once, and I think we don't need an answer other than one we've got. Who's my neighbor? The neighbor is the person you have proximity to. The neighbor is the person that you might avoid. The neighbor is the person you go, I don't know their name. They lived there for two years. It's going to be so weird for me to introduce myself now. <laughs> go do it. 
and then begin to pray. Lord, how do, how do I pray for them? I began to pray for my neighbors. I began to pray for their marriages. I began to pray for specific things. And then I found myself having conversations with them about just different things. And then the neighborhood began to come together and the neighborhood began to become one. It was like, wow, what is happening here? And I believe it starts with this kind of motivation where we take the word that the Lord has given to us that God has asked of us. This is my people. I, listen to this. The Lord says, I don't know about all them, but as far as my people are concerned, this is the way my people act. And he said, we've got to be concerned about our neighbors. And so that is on your, that is on your seat. I, I want this as a point of prayer. I want us to be praying for our neighbors because until we have a heart for our neighbors, we, 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 we can't bring, as Jesus prayed, may your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. You can't pray that prayer without this being first. This is how the kingdom comes, is that I actually care for people that are around me. So, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus as we begin to consider how do we come to a place where we know our neighbors? How do we come to a place where, where we can not just be in passing, hey, can I borrow your rake or you know, borrow an egg or whatever it is, but Lord, it's, it's actually, there's some sort of connection, a relational connection. And I ask, Father, that you would help us to get your heart for the people around us in Jesus' name. Let it be so. Okay, next, here's the next one. I, I gotta do this, okay? So let me, I know, just hold on. It's gonna be fun, I promise. Okay, watch this. So here's, here's what I gotta do. Um, Oh, I gotta flip this thing around. How many of you know Granny Edwards? Granny Edwards, she usually sits like right over there. She turns 96 tomorrow. She ain't here today, so I need to do like a happy birthday shout out to Granny. We all with that? Here's what I need you to do. I'm gonna set you up, and I'm gonna say something like, so what do we wanna say to Granny? And you're all gonna get on your feet and go, happy birthday, Granny! Can you do that for me? Listen, she had 96, you move your butt. If she could get to church, we could stand up and say happy birthday, Granny. So I said, i got to film like a video for Granny Edwards, man. She turns 96 tomorrow. And I got to talk to her yesterday. And I'll tell you what, at 96, her friends, listen to me now, her friends are gone. Her husband's gone. It's, it's tough. And she becomes very lonely. And so we go to visit her. We see her on a regular basis as well as she comes here if she can get her butt into church, what do you think about us, right? Okay, so here's what I want to do. I'm, I'm just going to film a video, okay? You guys with me? Okay, so here we go. All right, watch this. Uh, uh, I'm getting over the video. Hold on. There it is. Okay. Hey, Granny, it's me, and I'm here at church. It's second service, and I didn't see you here, but there was a bunch of people here, and they wanted to tell you something. What would you guys want to say? What the heck? Oh! That was for you! Beautiful, thank you. I just say, come on now, we gotta do something wonderful, that woman of God. That woman of God served in like three countries as a missionary, and she's done all kinds of amazing things, but I, I wanted to wish her a happy birthday. Well, open up your app this morning. We're going to get going here on part two of the spiritual journey. We're in a second part of this trilogy. Uh, open up your, your app. If you don't have the app, I've got hard copies for you. I want you, to get, I want you to get some notes this morning. i got some things I want you to walk with. If you don't have the app, go to the App Store. Go to Google Play. Make sure you get that. First, I want to say thank you to Chuck last week. How many of you guys like Chuck, man? 
So, I mean, I, I'll just, I'll straight up with you. I'm like, I just want to crawl up in that man's lap and just snuggle for a while, right? And he's like, well, I just know it's just something I want to say to you right now. I'm like, whoa! I'm like, I'll just, I'll just lay here. I want to, I want to hire him to tell me bedtime stories, man. I will, he was like, he is zen, man. And I, wow. So, amazing. I got to watch that video last week, uh, this last week. It was so wonderful. Uh, I was up on the mountain with a bunch of our men. We had over 300 men up on the mountain. It was an amazing weekend that we got to do. Uh, but I want to say thanks to Chuck. Uh, so, get your apps open. If you don't have those, get those. Uh, this week, I want to continue in this teaching. This morning, I want to talk about unmasking our false self. Yikes, like, where are you going with that one, Pastor, right? It's like, yeah, you know, the, the false self, the one that we project onto people, the, 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 the facade that we go, I'm all good. You know that one, when everything's really crud? You go, oh, everything's wonderful. When we're most insecure, we say, I'm great. That, that's what I want to talk about this morning. A couple weeks ago when I was here, we were talking about Saul, and this was prior to his transformation. Not Saul in the Old Testament, Saul in the New Testament before he got transformed to Paul. We were talking about how he was making a name for himself in all of his zeal. Open up your Bibles to the book of Philippians. You got Galatians, Ephesians, right? You keep going, and then boom, there's Philippians, right? Philippians chapter 3. I want to read to you how he described it. This is his life, B.C., before Christ, right? So here, here he comes, right? Here, here's my life, B.C. In chapter 3, verse 6, the book of Philippians, he says this. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, watch this, man. Let me bring it down. I obeyed the law, chick-a-ding-ding, without fault. Go Paul, okay. He says this, verse seven. I once thought that these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Verse eight. Well, let me, let me get into these things. What are these things? What, what's he been talking about? These things? Listen to this. Here's these things. I went to Yale. I went to Harvard. I went to all the Oxford colleges. I got degrees. I'm part of this family. I got pedigree. That, that's what Paul, Paul's got going for him. But then he goes, I once thought these things were valuable. But I now consider them worth less. Consider worthless. All my education, everything I've learned, everything I've done. I was persecuting the church. Worthless, worthless, worthless. Watch, watch, watch the emphatic language he uses here. Catch this. Verse 8. Yes, everything. Everybody say everything. everything. That doesn't mean some things. That doesn't mean most things. It means everything. Everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite. Do you hear this language? The infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything. <laughs> you see where he's going? He's like, I've been there. I've been there, done that. I got that. Hey, have you ever heard that? Yeah, I've been there. In fact, I taught him. That's Paul. He says, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage 
so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count it on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous, here it comes, through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Saul has been transformed. Something happened. Now, most of us are convinced that life is based on what we do and what we achieve. Oh, I did this and I've done that and I've gone here to this school and I went here and I own this kind of thing and I've been in this job and I got this promotion and I achieved this and I got that. But you know what Paul's saying? It's hollow. There's nothing. Here's why, listen. Because let me flip you very quickly to the last page. Here it goes. It's all gonna burn. There it is. I just highlighted the best part for you. See, I don't care what you put your stock in, it's all gonna burn. Oh, great house, it's gonna burn. Cool car, it's gonna burn. Nice job, it's gonna burn. Listen, nothing, nothing leaves with you, folks. If you're putting your identity in any of that stuff, I'm begging you, please don't. Paul says right here, it's all hollow. And what happens is it becomes these, it, they become these excessive attachments. Oh, I gotta have that. Oh, I gotta get, I gotta get those. And I gotta have that. I gotta have that kind of phone and this kind of car. And, the, uh. and we wrap these experiences around ourselves. I, I, picture, I picture this. I, this is the picture I have. It's the invisible man, right? We... We, we, we wrap ourselves with things, listen, we wrap ourselves with things that somehow give us some presentation to bring, right? We, 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 we become perceptible. You see this? But listen, I'm one layer away from nothing. Come on. Oh, I went to this school, and I married this person, I had this many kids, and my kids do this in sports, and this in ac- ac- academics, and, and they did all these things, and look at me, aren't I something? <laughs> Let me just take one layer off. You are nothing. I am nothing. This is us, trying to make ourselves presentable. Catch Get where I'm going here. We're trying to make ourselves presentable. Oh, I did that. I, you know, my fourth quarter goals were... I was able to figure this out when I... And, and we're just wrapping ourselves up so that we can present ourselves as something that people will accept. We want to do that for ourselves. We want to look back in the mirror and go, there I am. Nothing worth looking at. Really, because listen, it's all going to burn. I don't care what we accomplish here. I don't care how much, what kind of name you've made for yourself. It's not going to last. We're frantically grasping at possessions and accomplishments, seeking after dreams and memories and friendships. I got to have it. I got to get this and I got to reach there. And all of these things, listen, let me be very clear. They're all blessings, all the things I'm talking about, those are blessings if they are held in open hands of gratitude. Thank you, God, for, look at this. What you, oh, do you need some? Sure. Oh, thank you, God. Oh, yeah, I can share some of that. Thank you, God, for what. Our problem is that when they are gripped in clenched fists, 
and holding on. It's, it becomes entitlement. This is mine, and I earned this paycheck. I earned this promotion. I did those grades. I studied hard, and I accomplished this thing. And God goes, I gave you your brain. <laughs> See, in the end, it comes back down to me. I want you to turn it all back over to me. You can only accomplish those things through me. The old joke about scientists meeting God one day and saying, hey, we figured out how to create man from dirt. And we, so we're gonna, here's a little challenge. We're gonna, we're gonna challenge you who can make a man faster. And he goes, okay, but you gotta come up with your own dirt first. Because I made that too. See, we think we're so smart. And God says, listen, our, our identities, all these attachments that I'm talking about, we think of, them as, think of them like anchors of well-being. This is how I know I'm doing okay. Oh, I got this house, I'm okay. All right, I got that car, I'm okay. And the minute that that car is gone, the house is gone, I got this job, I'm all right. And the job is gone, whoa, I'm not stable anymore. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. We can, houses come and go. Housing markets, oh my gosh. Cars. It was new last year. This year, I've had it to the mechanic like four times, right? Listen, and so we make these anchors. I'm okay because of my car. I'm okay because my kids are getting good grades. Now. But I go, my anchor is in my kids getting good grades. My anchor is in my, my, my kids acting properly. My wife or my husband doing what they, my anchor is in having a husband or a wife. Listen, God says, ah, 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 ah. listen, anchor yourself to nothing because it's all going. Everything you want to put yourself to. I got my health today. We feel good when we're surrounded by what, what seem like these innocent indulgences. We think that they secure a fulfillment for us. A pleasure that wouldn't be there if we didn't have these things. But in reality, I'm here to tell you, they're sabotaging our happiness. They are hazardous to our spiritual and mental health. These things that we clutter ourselves with. Here's your first note. The attachments. That's the first note for you this morning. The attachments that we have, they undermine our freedom. They clutter us. Make our contentment and our joy dependent on their presence. So when I don't have, when I don't have my health, I can't believe I'm sick. Why am I sick? I can't believe I'm sick. I'm still sick. When I don't have the relationship, I'm nothing without that relationship. It's just another attachment. And these innocent indulgences get us dependent, listen to me, on external things. These things that I think bring me comfort and joy. And ultimately, it's these attachments. That's what we're using to cope with our feelings of vulnerability, our feelings of shame, our feelings of inadequacy that lie at the core of our false self. We're doing this. These, these things, listen, we're doing anything we can to stay off the bottom because the bottom is defined as the end of myself. And we can't experience that. And God's going, oh, the end of you? Oh, that'll be good. When you stop and I start, it's, it's at the end of you. No, 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 no. Do whatever you have to to stay off the bottom. So we self-medicate. 
we buy this and we buy that. We try and anchor ourselves to other places so that we never reach the bottom. And God goes, oh, but if you could come to the bottom, that's where you'd experience grace. That's where you'd experience fulfillment. That's where you'd experience this place that goes, wow, I've been putting my, my hope in that? And while other people's attachments and their masks seem so glaringly apparent, it's a good thing I don't have any. You know what's wild? Is when you're having that conversation with somebody, and you're like, and he's going, and I did this, and I did the me monster thing, me, 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 I, 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 me, 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 you know, kind of thing. And you're like, wow, you're so full of what I can't say in church on Sunday. <laughs> right? You are so full of it. You're so full of it. And <laughs> here's the problem. What are they saying when they're talking with you? We all do it. You're just covering yourself, aren't you? you? Wow, you are really insecure. We think it. But then have you ever found yourself in your own insecurity going, We hate these three words. I don't know. Someone asks you a question. What do you think about this? Well, I have no idea what I'm talking about, but I'm going to entertain you for the next 10 minutes. You're going to listen to me. And, and I'm just talking. And I never brought you an answer, but I was entertaining. I can talk, 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 talk. And, and then the other person's going, you're so full of it. So why don't you just tell me you don't know? But see, we would never reveal that, would we? When's the last time someone told you, why don't you just tell me you don't know? Here's your next notes. Anything that's afforded value beyond its actual worth. And I want you to be careful of this. That value is ultimately stolen from God. And you know what the Bible calls that? Idolatry. (laughs) Let me get it down here. When you say, this has value, and I'm gonna, this is, look at how amazing this is. And I go, it's good. No, 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 it's amazing. That, that level of value gets taken from God. And we do it a lot. We do it a lot with these excessive attachments. The things that Paul was talking about. I once thought all these things had value. And he had excessive value. I'm persecuting the church for the value of these things in my life. i got to show people that I am, I'm the man. I'm going to save Judaism single-handedly. They're going to write about me. Paul saved the Jews. Like Moses. Oh, Moses and Paul. Or Saul. Right? He goes, nah, worth nothing. So I, gotta, I, I, I realize you're thinking, so how do, we, how do we recognize our false self? How, how do we know when I'm faking it? I'm glad you asked, because that's what I'm gonna tell you about. These are the clues. These are the clues to our false self. This is how I know I'm faking it. How I know when the imposter's been turned on. Somebody put a quarter in the imposter, and the imposter comes out and says, I know everything, I'm presentable, look at me, you can accept me, and the mask gets put on. This is how it happens. It's, I've got places for you to write them down. Our first one is defensiveness. Whew. When we get defensive, 
It's because the false self and these excessive attachments, they always need this constant reinforcement. It's okay. It's all right. This is all right. We justify things. I have a right to do this. Hey, I work hard. I work hard. I, you know, I need to come home from work. I just, I just need to have a beer before I start talking. Keep the kids away from me. We push, we push back. And I want you to hear this. God is asking to be in that place. God wants to be your television show. That you just keep the kids away. I just need to, I just need to watch my show for just a little bit. I just need to let my mind kind of relax for a little bit. And God goes, I, I, I could do that for you. I just need a beer. If I get home, I just need to have a beer. Hey, I, I could do that for you. I worked hard today. I've done this. I've accomplished. I've done all my doing. I now deserve entitlement. Remember what I was talking about? And God goes, I, I would like to be that fulfillment for you. I would like to be that peace that you're seeking right now. I'd like to be that calm that you can't seem to find because your day has, because you wound it up so tight and so fast, and now you're coming home. <laughs> I'm exhausted, pretending to be somebody I'm not. Successful, put together, organized, inside, falling apart, insecure. And God goes, hey, you're okay by me as you are. Here's the second one, touchiness. And I think it's the first cousin to defensiveness. But touchiness, it points to the false self of way of being. It's more prickly. You ever meet prickly people? Are you a prickly people, right? I get prickly. When, when people are prickly, it's because we're more, we're more investing ourselves into the defense of the false self. Some people freak out. They freak out if they're not taken seriously. Or, or, or maybe they take themselves too seriously, perhaps even being unable to laugh at themselves. They're just kind of, hmm. That's how the false self works. The, the touchiness, it, it's predictable. It's, it's petty. Pettiness is one of, one of the false self's most predictable characteristics, pettiness. Always pointing out the little things, getting you to look at, look at that. Here's the third thing. It bothers, it's the stuff that bothers us about other people. It's pet peeves. Pet peeves. Why do they do that? Oh, I can't stand it when people do that. Why do they always, ugh? And, and ultimately, I believe, it's actually pointing towards something false in ourselves. I, I want to show you how Jesus described what I'm talking about, this pettiness, the, the pet peeves, rather, that Jesus talked about. He says this. Why do you worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you've got a log in your own? That's what I'm talking about. Is when I'm willing to talk about your problems, but let's not talk about my, we're not here to talk about my problems, friend. <laughs> what happens is, this, these pet peeves, we, we, we push people back away from us because if they get too close to us, they may discover what's wrong with us. And so we stay focused on, you know, if, if it's laziness, if it's laziness in other people that irritates me, it's probably because I believe that discipline and performance are essential to approval and expectation. 
Because that's where I got my acceptance. That's where I got my approval. You got to be disciplined, and you are just lazy. Wait, what? Listen, I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm preparing you right now. We got a big old hallelujah here. We aren't going to heaven based on what we've done. Hallelujah. Right? Listen, man, we, we ain't getting in based on what we got here. Man, we can thank you, Jesus, because it ain't happening. If it's based on what I've done, we're all in trouble. I'm telling you, you're going to hell for what I've done. I mean, it's like, I mean, it's bad. I, I'm a mess. I'm a mess. And I go, but God got me in. It's what he accomplished, not what I accomplished. And sometimes playfulness and spontaneity annoys us. And that's because seriousness and sincerity are my values. See, if you, if you really want to be accepted and if you really want to be approved, you need to be serious. You need to be sincere about what you're saying. And that playfulness just needs to stop. Huh? Huh? See, when, I, when I'm pointing out these things in other people, it's because I see a weakness in myself that this is where I get my approval from. Emotional people, oh man, that, those emotional people, they frustrate you, right? It's because emotional control and sobriety is my script. Because, you know, this is a hard place and we need to just face it. And, and I'm t- we, we, have words, we have words for these things. Men don't cry. I talk to people, oh. I talk to people and say, I haven't cried in 20 years. I'm like, oh. I am so sorry. I want to stay close. I want to stay close to everything that God made me. These are the ways he made. He made me to laugh. He made me to cry. He made me to, he, he made me that way. But as soon as we start turning off emotions, listen, you turn off sadness, I promise you, you also turn off joy. Trust me. You cannot be sad. You truly cannot be happy. They, they, we must have both. Shoot, I cry in commercials. It's pathetic. My kids will watch me go, here goes dad, watch, watch dad. Yeah, dad. I'm like, it's time. They got their dog. You know, it's crazy. But, But see, I want to stay connected. I want to stay connected with how he's created me. Listen to me. God has made us incredibly unique. And we are busy going, i got to be more like him, got to be more like her, got to be more like them, got to have more of what they have, got to do more like they do. And God made you so unique. And all of a sudden, I'm trying to be like them. I mean, listen, God, the master of creation. And I've said this before. (laughs) One word, giraffe. (laughs) Take a horse, pull its neck, stretch its legs. Giraffe. God made ducks. You ever look at a duck? Penguins. God made moose. It's a big freaking deer. Side bigger than a horse. What was he thinking? He's like, something creative. That's God. And here, watch this. Watch this. You and you 
and you, and you, and then you go, I gotta be more like her, I gotta be more like him, I gotta be more like them, I gotta look like them, and act like them, and walk like them, and be like them, and have their income, and have their family, and I gotta, and God's going, no. Hashtag lost the plot. And God looks at us and goes, I made you unique. I want you to be that way. I need to be like my bigger sister. Why can't you be more like your brother? Oh! <gasps> huh? 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 Here's our last one. Compulsions. This is the last clue to the nature of our false self. It's a pattern of compulsions. Everybody is compulsive about something. And for most of us, it's, 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 we're compulsive about the things that we think we need the most gotta have this. It's when we spell need with three E's, four E's. I need. The problem with compulsions is they too represent this, these excessive attachments. I'm going after stuff. I gotta, I gotta get the stuff. And, and I'm gonna fill this in here for you. These obsessions, this is your last uh, second one here. Obsessions involve a good that's elevated to the status of supreme good. I must have, we need this. And it's so good that now it's so important that we attach ourselves to it. I want to show you where it all kind of started. If you've got your Bibles, come over here to Genesis chapter 3, way, way back in the book of beginnings, right? Genesis chapter 3 it tells his story and and God is uh, walking around the garden. Adam and Eve have now eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I'm in chapter three of the book of Genesis. And, uh, and they, uh, they have sewn fig leaves together because they found out they were naked, right? And in verse eight, it says, God, in the cool of the evening breezes, I'm like, bring it into Santa Clarita. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. They hid among the trees. You know, they're, they're like fitting in, right? Because they got leaves and everything. Look, I'm a tree, right? <laughs> they, they, they're hiding in the trees, right? And then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Come on, it, was, it wasn't that many leaves he sewed together, right? It wasn't like a full suit, right? Just covering major parts, right? So he says, where are you? Listen to the response. He replied, I heard you walk into the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Watch the series of questions that come out right here. This is real important. Parents, take note. Series of questions. Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man's response, the woman gave it to me. It's like, so human, right? Ladies, don't think you're getting off. I'm coming to you in a minute. The woman gave it to me. What? He turns to the woman. What did you do? The serpent gave it to me. See, we're always pointing at somebody else. We're always good. It wasn't me. Serpent deceived me. That's why I ate it. Every moment of every day, God is wandering into the inner garden of our lives, and he's seeking relationship. Where are you? Can't talk right now, I got things to do. Because I gotta get approval, and I'll be with you in a minute so that you can approve of me. I'm gonna work on this, and you're gonna really like me. And God calls us, and it's gentle, and it's consistent, and it's 
persistent. He's just constantly, where are you? Why are you hiding? And the thing is, most of the times we don't even know. We're not even aware we're hiding. These are your last notes. But coming out of hiding requires that we embrace our vulnerabilities. You're not okay. Just go ahead and say it. I'm not okay. Yeah. I'm not okay. (laughs) And the vulnerabilities that I'm talking about are those things that sent us scurrying for cover in the first place. I love the question. Who told you you were naked? You couldn't have known that because all the information you've gotten up to this point is from me. Oh, I know what you did. Please note, by the way, never asked why. Bad question. Please just stay away from why. We never like the answer to why. Why'd you do that? What do our kids say? I don't know. (laughs) Or, listen, why'd you do that? Well, I... Right? Come on! Right? We ask that question. It's just a bad question. Just throw it away. It's a bad question. Unless you're going to ask yourself that question. Why did I do that? You want to ask yourself that? You can ask yourself that all day long. That's a darn good self-question. But stop asking each other that. Why did you throw away those reports? I thought I was supposed to. I mean, the answer is never going to be good. But notice this. He asks, where are you? Who told you? Have you eaten? See the questions? Never, why did you eat from the tree? Um, no good answer could come of that. But we run. But to step out of these bushes... We've got to step toward honesty with ourselves. And here's our problem, is that we create, so watch this now, I create this person that I am, the person I want you to perceive me to be successful and together and and spiritual and, you know, all these other things. You know, I want you to perceive me as this. So I create, if I was the creator, this is the person I would create. Everybody following that? If I was God, I would have made me like this. And that's why I work so hard at being this. Everybody with me? You know what my next step is? This is where it gets really diabolical. I then create a God who would create that. And so when I'm this person that maybe it values morals, this this person, it's moral and upstanding, right? Right? Then I create a God whose number one value is morals. If I am, it's about discipline and work and, and making sure that you, you know, you're earning your keep and all that. Then I create a God whose number one language is make sure you're doing the right thing. And I worship that God. See, first I created me, then I created a God who would create me. Did everybody just follow a little tra- <laughs> trail I just went on? Because we all got one. <laughs> We all got a little fake self and we all got a fake God. And God is asking that we move away from both. That we accept God on God's terms. You bring nothing to the table. Nothing. The best of what you have is still nothing. That's why you need me, because I'm everything. See? God says, I can fill in every nook and cranny. You will be full but you got to release yourself. So today, if this afternoon your desire is to let go of the false self, I, I want to I pray with us this morning or this afternoon. I want to I pray 
I want to ask God to help us see what makes us most vulnerable. The stuff that makes us feel like running for cover. When I feel most insecure. What, what is that? I want, I want, just ask yourself that. And it might be conflict. <gasps> I hate conflict. I don't like conflict. I don't like when people aren't getting along. Ah. And so, you know what we do when conflict comes? And we start doing it to stop doing conflict. Whatever we got to do. Conflict comes. Some people don't dance. They just drink. Conflict comes. Some people just eat. Conflict comes. People shop. Conflict comes. Whatever it is. But what's the distress that would be present if we didn't avoid these things, if we just let them into our lives, no way. You can't just let that get run rampant in our lives. It would be bad. I want us to listen to God's invitation to come out of the bushes where we've been hiding, to step out and allow God to embrace us just as we are this, this afternoon. And secondly, I, I want to prayerfully think about the image that we are most attached to, what we like to present to people. I'm a student. Oh, I can't tell you. It, it could be military record. I served here, I did that, I did this. It could be corporate. Well, I've been in this business and I was in this position, I was that. It could be our kids. Oh, they're so good, they did this art project. Look, look. And all my identities wrapped up in my kids. Listen, we do it all over the place. But what's the image we're most attached to? And I want us to consider how we think about ourselves. What makes us most proud about ourselves? I did this. Mm, be careful. I want us to ask God to help us see the ways that we use these things to defend ourselves against vulnerability. I want to ask God this morning to prepare us to trust him. To trust him to, enough, to trust him enough to let go of these things, these fig leaves of our personal style. Well, this is the way I am. I can't help the way I am. I'm not so sure God made you like that. Fear is not, that's not part of his, it wasn't, it wasn't in the toolbox when he put us together. I was afraid because I was naked. It wasn't there. There was no fear. They were walking in the presence of God without fear. Somewhere fear came in. And there is an alternative to the false self. And let me just tell you, it takes less work, less energy. It's a way of being that is based on our life in Christ. I consider it all worthless. Worth. Less, because only he is worthy. God is worthy. It's a way of truth that leads to our true vocation. It's, it's who we truly are, our deepest possible fulfillment. God wants us to be fulfilled. He wants us to experience that. He wants us to have the emotion, oh, yes! And we're so busy seeking that out. We're trying to find the, by signing for a car, a house, a contract. And God goes, it's never gonna come. It's never gonna come until you sit with me. And then you will feel that. Let me pray. Father, I'm asking today as we have taken time to approach you and sing you these songs, I am who you say I am. And I'm asking in the name of Jesus, Today with my friends, your beloved, the ones you love before they've done anything, the ones you love in spite of what they've done, man, the mess that I've created in my life. I'm asking in the name of Jesus for my friends who are here this morning to come out of hiding. In Jesus' name, let it be so. Let it be done.